I uh, tell you a little story about me when I was a, I uh, started dating um, when I was in the third grade. Now, before we get carried away, okay, before we get carried away, what I mean by dating in the third grade is I mean you would just look at a girl, you know, a little more than you normally used to look at her. There was really nothing else you did, except um, on note days. Like, if, I, if you were dating a girl and she passed you a note in class, I mean, that was a big deal. It was to me, but she didn't just pass it to me. Like, Mary would pass it to Sherry, and Sherry would pass it to Jennifer, and Jennifer would pass it to Nancy, and then Nancy would pass it to me. And it was amazing. And I remember reading one of the notes that uh, my girlfriend had sent me, and it was really poetic. I remember opening it, and it was like, I like you. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I'll, I'll keep this note forever. I, I didn't. Be, maybe kept it five minutes. But I thought to myself, I'm in love. I have a girlfriend. And this is so great. And it, like I said, notes would get passed on good days. Not all the time. Maybe once a week. I'll never forget the week that a special note got passed. It got passed from Mary to Sherry to Nancy to Jennifer and then to me. And I was sitting in whatever math class, we'll say, and I opened the note, and it said, I'm breaking up with you. And I thought, this has been altered by somebody. This can't be from her. Sherry or Jennifer or somebody must have changed something, because this can't be true. It was true. It was true. And in that moment, it was like someone just took my heart and, you know, one of those deals. I don't know if you've ever, ever been through something like that, but I was totally blindsided. Say blindsided. I had been blindsided. See, some of you, you've been blindsided in life. It might not be in the third grade with a boyfriend or a girlfriend. It could be at work or in your family or with a friend that you thought was a friend. But whatever the case is, something has happened. And it brings you to a point where you become almost cynical. That's kind of a big word, so I actually looked up the definition because I wasn't sure what it meant. So cynical, distrustful, anybody distrustful, of human sincerity and integrity. Do you think there's any cynical people in 2020? No, no. I mean, are you kidding me? Not me, no. So my definition of cynical is a little different. It's just simply believing the worst. It's believing the worst. That's a cynical person. And nobody sets out to be that way. That isn't how, you know, you don't sit there with your diary, dear diary. One day it's my hope and dream to become jaded, to become, to just not trust anyone and lose hope. In all humanity, the end. You don't say that. But, but some of you, your life first, if you're honest, your life first is like, I came, I saw, I hated everything and everyone, so I left. You know, that's, that's where we get sometimes. But we don't start out there. It just, it can happen. Like you go above and beyond your, your work and you don't get recognized. You don't get the raise. You don't get the promotion. You, 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 you take care and love a family member or a friend only to have them not to ever care about you and alienate you. You trust someone and you get burned. You fall in love and you get cheated on. Heartbreaks, betrayal, backstabbings. Ooh, love hurts, right? That was not good. But I'll, love can hurt. And, you, you, and then you lump everybody in the same category, right? Oh, all men, all men are pigs. Girls are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. All women, all women are crazy. Every, all girls are crazy. He's like, she admitted it. She just said, we are. We, uh, and us guys are not arguing with you, okay? I'm just saying. So we, we become jaded. And listen to me, you don't get that way because you don't care. You actually get that way because you do care. 
You get that way because you do care. Most pessimists, they don't start out that way. Most of them started out once as an optimist. That's how it happens. I want to take you on a journey today. It's, it, we're going to go old school today in Ecclesiastes. This is a book in the Old Testament. And um, Solomon wrote this book. He was the third king of Israel. So if you brought a Bible or you got the app, I love when you go there. But I'll put it on the screen too if you don't have that. Ecclesiastes, say that three times, Bryce. Seriously, try it. You screwed it up. See, I knew it. So um, Ecclesiastes 1, chapter 1. And, and, and as you go there, let me set it up. Solomon, like I mentioned, is the third king of Israel. Solomon is writing this book towards the end of his life. Like this is, and Solomon also wrote the, like uh, the book of Proverbs, incredible book of wisdom and so much hope in there. But Ecclesiastes is different. And I'm going to show you something that he writes. And this is one of the wisest guys who ever lived. Like Solomon, according to the world, he had everything. Everything you could want. Everything that so many people desire in this world, he had it. He had power. I just told you he was the king. He had all the money he could ever want. One of the richest kings that ever lived. Women. He had no shortage in that area, okay? I'm going to share a stat with you, and you'll probably need to fact check it in the Bible. And you can, but it's true. Solomon had 700 wives, okay? Yeah, yeah, 700 wives. I mean, I've got so many questions, some of which we can't even discuss in church, but I'm like, what? How? Is it one hard enough to navigate? I know God's married people said, amen, right? It's, we, I always tell people that are gonna get married, I'm like, you know what? God brought you two together, and if you stay centered on Jesus, nothing is impossible, you know, except deciding where to eat. Even Jesus can't help you with that. I'm just, you will argue about that. So, but 700 wives. No wonder he was depressed at the end. I'm just saying, so that's just a lot. That's just a lot. I love marriage, but 700 seems like a tall order. Listen to what he writes in Ecclesiastes. This is gonna blow you away. I'm going to start in the second verse, or the first chapter, second verse. <laughs> Everything is meaningless. Wow. <laughs> Completely meaningless. What do people get for all their hard work, Solomon writes, under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth never changes. The sun rises and the sun sets, then hurries around and does it again. The wind blows north and the wind blows south. Around and round it goes, blowing in circles. The river runs into the sea, but the sea is never full, and the water returns back again to the rivers and flows again to the sea. Same thing over and over and over. Everything is wearisome, beyond description. No matter how much we see, we're never satisfied. Boy, that's... that's that's a truth that is, is, is just stands the test of time. No matter how much we see, we're never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we're not content. M history merely repeats itself, he says in verse 9. It's all been done before. Nothing under the sun is new. Sometimes people will say, well, here's something new. But those people are stupid. I'm just kidding. He didn't say that. No, he said, he said, but actually, it's old. Nothing's ever truly new. We don't remember what happened in the past, future generations, none of it. No one's going to remember what we're doing now. Okay, if you weren't already depressed walking in here, you are now, right? I mean, some, a first-time guest is like, I thought this church was fun. Sorry. I mean, you know, I'm just reading scripture here. It, this was not a fun thing to read. He, Solomon, 
This is towards the end. And he's seen a lot. He's been around a lot. And he's had a lot of great things according to the world. You hear what he's writing there. He had everything. And at the end of the day, his life was empty. Like, it's almost like he had no hope. And I think about the world today. I think about the season we're in as, a, as, as not just a church, but as a, as a world. And you could easily look at the world and say, well, is there hope? Look at what's going on in our world. Look at everything that's going down. And look, I mean, look at my life. I'm 28 years old. I have no hope. All my friends are getting married and then they're having kids. I, I'll never have a spouse. I'll never have kids. I'll never move out of my parents' basement. Okay, well, that might be the problem. You don't have the spouse. But I'm just saying, we get, we get pessimistic. We get, um, we assume the worst. Because we've been blindsided a few times. Here's the thing. Life doesn't make you cynical. Life doesn't. The world doesn't make you cynical. You make you cynical. Right? At the end of the day, right, I make me cynical if I'm cynical. Not the world. Because we have a choice. Say, I have a choice. You do have a choice. Solomon had a choice, didn't he? I mean, Solomon, you had a choice. But somewhere along the way, something happened. And maybe for somebody in the place today... For somebody here, somebody watching online right now, you've gotten to a place where, where, where you have stopped hoping. You've stopped trusting. You've stopped believing. And when that happens, you will close your heart. You will close your heart to people. And I always tell people, if you close your heart to people, ultimately, you're closing your heart to God. You are. You close your heart to people, you close your heart to God. When I was in my 20s, Oh, man, I, uh, I mean, number one, I should, I'd never, being a pastor was never the goal. I mean, no one thought, my friends never thought that, no one thought that, and if social media was around when I was in my 20s, I wouldn't, we wouldn't be here today, okay? It would not be happening, I'm just telling you, just being honest. Thank you, God, it wasn't. So, but I, I, uh, when I was, when I was living this wild lifestyle, I really didn't want people to get close. I didn't. I mean, uh, it was just, it was just, because I, I, I'd, I'd been there before, and I'd seen what happened. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to keep you at an arm's length because I've been down this road before. I know how the story ends. And for some of you, you know that. You know how the story is going to unfold. You know that at the end of the day, the relationship always falls apart. The, at, the, at the end of the day, this is how my family's always been. This is how the kids always are. This is how things always go at work. See, we know, because we just know. We just know. We just know. We know too much. It's crazy to think that you can know too much. But Solomon, do you remember what I said about him? He was one of the wisest men who ever lived. And we saw what he's writing. So I'm going to read you three more verses in Ecclesiastes. Uh, I'm going to start at verse 16 and read through 18. You want to talk about knowing too much? Here's Solomon, one of the wisest men that ever walked the earth. I said to myself, look, I'm wiser than any of the kings who ruled in Jerusalem before me. And he was. I have greater wisdom and knowledge than any of them. So I set out. To learn everything from wisdom to madness and folly. But I learned firsthand that pursuing all of this is like chasing the wind. And then he says that the greater my wisdom, the greater my grief. To increase my knowledge only increases my sorrow. He knew too much. He's seen too much. This is generally why the older we get, the more set in our ways we get. The more that we're, we just know this is the way it is. We know that the world's not going to change. We know these things. Right? Don't you remember as a kid? Don't you remember as a kid how you were happy? Remember how you were more carefree? Do you know why? Because you were dumb. That's why. You didn't care. You didn't have a care in the world. 
right? But, but we, that we, start to, we start to experience life, and we know more now. So now we're starting to get, assume the worst rather than the best. You know, you know too much. And you've been blindsided maybe too many times. Cynics, those that assume the worst, well, they always assume the worst. They always do. And some of you, you know them, and some of you, you may be them. You always assume the worst in every situation. Talk about what's happening in 2020, and I assume this is the end of the world. This is the apocalypse, and everything's going down, and all this, all this stuff. Maybe. I don't know. I'm just, I don't want to assume the worst. Cynics assume the worst. But love, say love. Love. Love always assumes the best. Love always assumes the best. Man, I'm, I'm probably preaching to me more than anybody in the room. Love always assumes the best. 1 Corinthians 8, 1, knowledge puffs up. It puffs up, right? Can, can feed egos. I know so much. I'm so smart. But love builds up. Does that make sense? It doesn't mean you should be dumb. It doesn't mean you shouldn't be a learner. It just, it just means that never forget that love always assumes the best in everything. See, in, when I was addicted, I knew a lot. I mean, I knew what to do. I knew the right decisions to make, and I knew the wrong decisions to make. I knew that. I just wasn't doing that. I remember, whole, I remember being at a place in addiction where it was, uh, I really had this thought. I thought to myself, this is as good as it's ever going to get. It, it, was, it was one of the worst feelings I'd had because it wasn't that good. It wasn't good where I was at. But I remember saying to myself, I wrote it down, this is as good as it's ever going to get. It almost, almost puts a knot in my stomach to even say that to you because I, I, I can remember. And you know why it puts a knot in my stomach? Because at that moment, I had stopped trusting, I had stopped hoping, and I would stopped believing. And when that happens, hope dies. And hope in me was dead. So, we, we, for example, we look at the glass, right? And the title, the reason I left a blank in there is because you get to fill it out. Because you have a choice. See, the, the, you decide what to do with the word of God that you got today. You can decide, like Solomon, to not end well because he didn't. And I'll share that with you in a minute. But you can ask yourself, is it half full or is it half empty? See, a cynic... By the way, cynics never change the world because they don't think they can. They don't think, you know what, the world's never going to change. It's always been this way. That's half empty. But you might be thinking, you know what, I can't make all the difference, but I can make a difference. And maybe I can be part of the solution. Maybe I can change the world. That's half full. Are you, is your thought process right now, my best days are still ahead of me, half full? Or are you truly thinking to yourself, like I thought, this is as good as it's ever going to get. And it'll never get this good again. Half empty. My best days are behind me. If you've been part of this church for more than 10 minutes, you've probably heard us say, the best is yet to come. We say it all the time. Do you know why we say it? Because we believe it. Like, like I believe it. And I'll, I'll share that why I do so much. But do you believe it? Like I'm asking you, is the best yet to come for, for, for you, for your family, for your children, for your relationship? for your marriage, in your work, in your faith journey, is the best yet to come. It's a great saying, cute saying to say, do you believe it? Do you believe the best is yet to come? Do you believe that your best days are before you? Solomon, let me tell you how it ended with Solomon, and you'll get some more context for why he's writing the way he's writing in Ecclesiastes. You know what happened to Solomon? He ultimately walked away from God. He did. He started to worship the things of the world, 
And he had a lot of things he could worship in the world because he had a lot of worldly things. And he ultimately walked away from God. See, the more that you walk away from God, the more that you step away from God, knowingly or unknowingly, the more that you're going to see this as half empty. I promise you. The more that you're going to see this as half empty, the farther you get from God. It is a fact. Listen to, way, listen to the way he was talking. Nothing under the sun is new. Nothing under the sun is new. Nothing under the sun is new. Solomon, maybe the problem is you need to change your focus. Like you keep focusing on everything temporal, everything worldly under the sun. Maybe you need to start focusing on the one who created the sun. Wouldn't that be a mind shift? See, I want to help you today because maybe you've been blindsided and maybe you're really guarded right now and you're really not trusting people in your life or an area of your life and it's holding you back from what God has for you. I mean, there are people, you know, that you shouldn't trust and God will reveal that to you. But there, there, there may be others where you're not assuming the best. You assume the worst. You've done this and you'll do it again. You act that way, you'll always act that way. You never listen and you'll never listen. And, and, and I'm telling you something. I want to help you see that the glass is half full. I want to I show it to you because um, Solomon, I, I look at him and I, and I think to myself, Solomon, you must have forgot. Like you must have forgot how good your God's been because you're, you're just saying, you know what? The sun rises and the sun sets and then it rises and then it sets and it never ends and it never stops. Solomon, do you remember one time that your God, the God of your ancestors, and you would know this story because you're the king? One time the sun didn't just rise and set. One time, actually, God made the sun stand still. And your ancestor, Joshua, he would continue a battle because of that. How come you forgot that? I don't hear you talking about that when you wrote this book. You're saying it always does this and always does that, but that's not true. It doesn't always do that. One time, God actually made the sun go backwards as a sign to King Hezekiah. How come you don't remember those things, Solomon? Oh, because you're walking. See, the farther you get from God, the more you're going to forget all that God has done for you. You will, because he's done so much, and I'm going to show you that. Oh, the, the river just flows into the sea, and then it goes back to the river, and then back to the sea. Actually, Solomon, it doesn't always do that. There was a time when your God split a sea. Don't you know that? Don't you remember your ancestors when they would walk through the Red Sea into freedom? Don't you remember a time he would divide a river called the Jordan and they would walk through into a place called the Promised Land? How come you forget these things, Solomon? Don't you remember what a prophet named Elijah, God actually turned the water off. He would shut the rain off for him and then he would turn it back on again. Oh my gosh. See, I want to help you with this. Caleb, will you bring, those, bring up some, some help for me? Um, when you reflect on the goodness of God, it will change you. And God has done great things in your life, whether you acknowledge it or know it or not. God has done great things. So, so I'm gonna, I want to help you with this. I want to help you. When you see that God is good, when you see that God has done so much in my life, like God got me up and got me to church this morning, praise Jesus, it's a good day. I'm breathing, I'm vertical, I'm upright. Uh, God, God has showed up in many areas of my life. When you start to acknowledge that, when you start... He keeps focusing on the burdens. That's what I read from that. When you stop focusing on your burdens and you start looking at how God has blessed you, it'll change you. It'll change your perspective. You find what you're looking for. You come in with a negative mindset. You come in with a cynical attitude. You will see this is half empty and it will never change. It will never change until you change. Until you start to remember the goodness of God. 
See, it seems like we remember the bad things and then we like to blame God for them. I know I've done that in my life and maybe you have too. But all the things God has done in your life, can you remember those? When you remember the goodness of God, you know what it does? It not only gives you the perspective that the glass is half full, it actually fills it up. It fills it up. When you remember the goodness of God and all he's done in your relationships, all he's done in your family, all he's done maybe in your finance, oh, he hasn't done anything, I'm broke. You know what? You live in, the, I believe, the greatest country in the world. And if you live in this country, you don't know what broke is. I'm just saying, the goodness of God, when you reflect on God's goodness and his promises, it doesn't just perceive that the glass is half full. You lit, it, he literally fills it up. So God, God, that time when, 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 when I was alone, that time when I, I wanted to give up. But Lord, I, I, I look back now and I, I didn't give up because you encouraged me. You were there for me. You helped me not throw in the towel, but you walked alongside me. Oh God, that time I was struggling and I was hurting. Now I look back and I thought you left me, but, but you didn't leave me. You were right there with me. Like, I, I'm still moving today. I, 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 didn't, I didn't give up. I'm not struggling today. I, I, I still struggle some days, God, but now I know you're always there. Oh God, the time when you were depressed, that time when you were alone, now you look back and you're like, gosh, I thought you'd abandon me. But then you think about it and you're like, God, you sent someone to love me. You sent someone to be with me. You sent someone to care for me. That time that, that everybody else in your life walked out. But God, say God. Everybody walked out, but God walked in. Your Lord walked in. Oh God, you've been so good to me. Oh God, my cup overflows with blessings. Oh God, surely your goodness and your love follows me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. My God is a God who makes my cup overflow. That's what he does. Why do we forget how good he is? Why do we forget how loving he is? Solomon forgot why he walked away from God. He wouldn't even, he wouldn't even, uh, probably even know it. It's, it can be so subtle. Oh, Lord, fill my cup. Lord, fill me with your blessings. Fill me with your goodness. Fill me with your love. All the times you've been there for me. Say it's time. It's time. It is time. See, I want to invite you to invite Jesus into your story today. Because Jesus is the game changer. You keep coming to medals, you'll hear a lot about this man named Jesus. So, so Jesus, you know what he invites you to do? Jesus, with him, you can hope again. With Jesus, you can trust again. Oh, I'll never trust anybody like I trusted before. You'd be amazed at what you do with Jesus in you. With Jesus, you can believe again. He is our hope. He is our salvation. With Jesus, this can be your perspective all the time. It can. It's amazing what he will do for you. I'll tell you something. You want to know about half empty? You want to know about no hope? So Jesus, the reason he was born was to die. Like, did you know that? Like, he was born to die for us. And the day that Jesus would die, trust me, his friends, the 12 disciples you may know them by, his mother, 
others that would love him. They, they would see that day as the darkest day in history. And it was. The glass wasn't just half full, it was empty. Like hope was dead. And there's always people that say, oh, someone still had hope. Someone, when Jesus was dead. No, they didn't. Nobody had hope that day. When Jesus stopped breathing, everybody stopped believing. Everybody. John, John was at the foot of the cross. Mary, his mother, everybody. And I've unpacked that before. I ain't unpacking that today. But I'm telling you, there was no hope. It was a dark day, but it's what Jesus had to do for you and you and for me. Because someone's got to pay a price for all the stupid stuff that we do and all the people that we've hurt and all the things that we do that we know aren't okay. And Jesus says, I'll stand in the gap and I'll die on a cross for you. But that day when Jesus hung on the cross, you know what? It appeared, it appeared we're losing. That's what would happen. They would think we're losing. But when everybody thought they were losing and everybody thought God was losing, well, they were actually winning. When everybody that day looked up at that cross, you know what they saw? Everybody saw death. God saw life. When everybody said, it's over, you know what God said? God said, you know what? It is just beginning because in three days, I will raise my son from the dead and he will defeat sin and he will defeat death and he will defeat the devil. There's hope in this place today. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. He is the reason that we can, we can know that it's full. We can know that our God will never leave us, but understand something. You will never have a, a glass half full mentality without, without the power of the Holy Spirit in you. W without surrendering to Jesus, you never will. It will never happen. It's impossible because he gives you that power. He gives you that strength. He changes you. That's what the Bible says. And for somebody here, maybe you're always on the negative side or you're very cautious to love people. It could be an indicator that, that, that the Holy Spirit maybe isn't in you. I don't want to say he is or isn't. I don't, I don't want to judge that. I'm just asking you to ask yourself. The gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus rose from the dead three days later. We're the only faith out of all the religions in the world. Somebody asked me, how, how can you know Christianity's it when there's literally hundreds and thousands of religions? Listen, I mean, I know. And I could give you theology, and I could give you statistics on, on the resurrection being real. I don't do any of that. You know what I say? <laughs> because I was dead, and today I live. That's how I know. I, I can't say it any way else. I can't say it any way else. Love, that's what love does. I always think about my wife Jody and how she stepped in when, when it'd be so easy to assume the worst and step out when I was at my worst. You know? It would be so easy to assume the worst, but love steps in, love presses in. Jesus pressed in when you were at your worst. When you, were, when you were in the middle of what you were doing and you knew it was wrong, you know what Jesus said? Go ahead and put one in the hand. And, and when you hurt somebody and when you were living a selfish lifestyle, maybe you still are, and you've been looking at the pornography and you've been hurting other people and you, you're in the addiction and you're in the sin and you got the secrets, Jesus says, put it in the other. That's what he says. It's, it blows me away. I always say I'm the, I, I, I thank God you don't give us what we deserve. 
I don't understand your beauty, Jesus. I don't understand how, how you can take something so bad and turn it into something so beautiful. Everybody saw death, but the Lord saw life because he knew the end of the story. So I want to invite you. I'm going to invite you into the story of Jesus. I want to invite his story into you. Because when you invite Jesus in, you can hope again, and you can trust again, and you can believe again. And somebody in this place, you're desperate to have those things back in your life. That's why God brought you here today. That's why the Lord brought you here today. Surrender everything to him. Say, Jesus, I want you. I want all of you. Online, I always tell you, online, we love you. If you want to surrender everything to Jesus, you want to accept the power that can help you hope again, trust again, and believe again, you can text, I choose him. I choose Jesus. 474747. Somebody asked me, why do you do 474747? I said, it's just easy. I'm not that smart, so I just need 4747. But anyway, so that's why. There's really no hidden agenda there. If you're in the room today, I want to invite you to surrender everything to Jesus. And when I say everything, normally the one thing you won't surrender is the very thing holding you back from what God has for you. Did you know that? Oh, I've surrendered everything, everything, everything. And I'm actually going to give you an opportunity to do something in a minute. But there's somebody in this place, and I, 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 I felt this even this week, that there would be somebody here that you've given up in an area of your life, and you've given up the hoping and the trusting and the believing, and that's why this series is for you, because you've been blindsided, and you've given up. And you may have given up on yourself, and you may have given up on other people, and you may have given up on God, but your God has never given up on you. He's right where he's always been, standing there with arms wide open, saying, come home, come home, and you can hope again, you can trust again, and you can believe again, and that's the invitation. So as, so as I pray for you today, and the worship team, as I pray, they will come up, and we're going to have a basket over here, and we're going to have a basket over here. And you saw that you had note cards on the chairs when you came in. This is what I want you to do. If you want, you don't have to. But I believe when we move, God moves. I think that's all over scripture. And I think when we take an act of obedience, God will bless it. I believe that's in scripture. The cards, here's what they're for. I want you, if you will, to write down an area of your life that you know has held you back in, in, in hoping, trusting, or believing it could be in other people it could be in a certain segment it could be at work it could be with God himself and you don't trust him because you think he's failed you and he's let you down and the person that you prayed for they didn't make it they died and you're mad at God and you're mad because the divorce happened and you're mad because the sickness came and, and whatever it is that's holding you back you already know what it is because the Holy Spirit will speak to you and tell you I want you to write that on that card and during the closing song which by the way is yes and amen because all God's promises are yes and amen like he's such a good God to us yes and amen that's positive isn't it right that's a positive statement yes and amen it's not only appearing half full it is it or completely full it is full he fills my cup he fills my cup so I'm gonna pray and during the final song there's no don't release rose just come up after you write it in fold your card up and throw it in because what you're doing is you're releasing it to God you're releasing it. Solomon never did that. The things that held him back continually held him back, and he walked away. 
But when you release it to God and you say, God, I'm not trusting in this area. God, I've lost hope in this area. Um, God, I'm not believing in this area in regards to somebody else or God himself. And you release it to him and say, I don't want, I don't want that to hold me back anymore. I'm ready for something new. I'm ready for a new day. I'm ready to start a new season because God, you promise abundant life and I'm not living abundant life. And if you promise it and I'm not living it, something's wrong. Well, today I wanna make something right with you. He wants to make something right with you. So worship team, I invite you to come up. We'll have the baskets on both sides and during the final song, you write on the note card, right? Take your time, think through it. I'll guarantee you there's probably at least one thing in one of those three areas that's holding you back. Would you release it to God today and, and, and take that step? Because when you move, he moves. When you move, he moves. When you move, he moves. Today, God is asking for you to hope again for you to trust again, for you to believe again. Father, I thank you so much. The word of God has gone forth. Ecclesiastes, it's to me, even though it might be depressing to read God, to me, I don't see it that way. I see it as an incredible book of hope because I think Solomon, though he was a great king in many ways, he missed the most important thing. He missed out on your promises because he, he was fed a lie and he believed it. He forgot that the best was still yet to come. He forgot about the promises of God. He forgot all that you did in his life and all that you did in his ancestors' life. He forgot how many times you showed up. God, there's people here that I believe they've forgotten your goodness in an area. They've forgotten your promises. They've forgotten times you've showed up and you've changed the world through them or you've changed their world and you're showing them that today. Father, for the people in the place that need to surrender everything to you, I, I pray they write it on the card. What's the thing holding you back? What secret is it? What sin is it? What, what lie have you been believing that's holding you back from believing in the best, from trusting in others, from, from having the hope that we should have as followers of Jesus? Father, have your way today. I thank you so much for Jesus Christ. See, without him and without this, this death and resurrection, we don't need to do any of this. Like, we don't need to meet, gather, play songs, raise our hands. We would have nothing to raise our hands for. We would have nothing to sing hallelujah to. But because we know that Jesus is your son, and Jesus wasn't just dead on a cross, but he rose from the dead, we have tremendous hope. We know that we can hope and we can trust and we can believe because the King of kings and Lord of lords has gone before us and done something that only he could do for us. Why? Because he loves us. Because that's what love does. Because he somehow assumes the best in us, even though we, in our sinfulness, bring out the worst in us. Thank you, Lord, for not just assuming the best, but believing the best and knowing that we needed a savior and we needed saving. God, I pray that you'll give the church and even people online watching, they can grab a piece of paper and they can do the same thing right where they're at. I pray that you'll give them the courage during the song to come up, release whatever it is that's holding them back in one of those areas, God, and truly start to live the life that you purposed and planned. Father, we love you. We will never stop. We will never stop declaring, and God, we say it boldly, and I'm not just saying it to say it, God, you know we believe it with all our heart. Because of the cross and because of the tomb, regardless of what happens this side of heaven, 
We know the best is yet to come because at the end of the day, this world is not our home. And one day there's a place that is so perfect that we can't even fathom. And if we're a, if we're a follower of your son, Jesus, and we surrender our life to him, we get to go there and spend forever with you. And I'm telling you, that's a best that we can't even describe or even fathom. I want that for everybody here, Father. Have your way, do your thing. And yes, we believe the best is yet to come. In Jesus' name I pray and we all say, amen. Hey, thanks so much for watching today, but don't stop there. We want to invite you to be part of our Meadows family. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Subscribe to our Meadows YouTube channel. That way you don't miss a single video, update, or message. And not only that, share this message with a friend. I encourage you. So many people are looking for hope and encouragement, and you and I have the ability to bring it to them. So again, thanks for watching, and God bless you.